you want to create something unique but then when you create something unique enough a lot of people don't believe in you because uh, they think that oh this is very unique so this might die out very very soon you always have to balance because people go by sometimes familiarity sometimes by uniqueness and you can't be too unique because if you're too unique then obviously you will you will not be appealing to a lot of people but if you are too too mass and too general and you don't have your own uniqueness then there is no differentiator hello people welcome to the community of the growth mindset podcast guys if you are a first time listener don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in following weeks and for our daily listeners here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality from a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success remember this is a podcast where we learn easy practical methods and tips that we can implement in our daily lives from the very best and the most successful people known today because as we all know success leaves clues and we the people having the growth mindset will use these clues to create a better more fulfilling and a successful life so let the growth begin Thank you so much Mohit for taking your time out and joining us on the Growth Mindset podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. Likewise uh Rishad, I think it's it's a pleasure to uh, be here and uh, look forward to the conversation. Awesome. So Mohit first thing first uh why don't we go ahead and you know give a quick background about yourself especially for for folks that might not have come across you. I know a lot of people have heard about Ultra Human but the man behind Ultra Human can you please go ahead. Yeah sure. Uh My background is that uh, I started Ultra Human two and a half years ago, primarily out of the love for uh, for biohacking and fitness. And uh, the journey really started at a at a martial arts camp, uh, where essentially, uh, and this is a camp. Uh, the name of the camp is Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, I was always interested in martial arts, but never sort of like got a chance to train in a dedicated way. And after my previous startup, uh, the startup that I scaled and sold to Zomato, I spent uh, few months training i decided to train for a few months at this martial arts camp called tiger muay thai so uh, during this journey i realized that um, um, one thing that i want to do is to actually build something in the fitness and health space not necessarily a business but to be associated with the fitness and health space because that that's something that resonated a lot in terms of my uh, long term thinking around what do i need to do for the next 20 30 40 50 100 years uh and uh, at the same time um i i observed a lot of athletes using a um, lot of cutting edge technologies bio variables uh, trackers uh and biomarkers specifically to improve their health uh so those were the you can say the early um that was the early hypothesis when i saw these athletes and uh, i i used to chat with vatsal who is my co-founder in india he was in india that uh, Uh, i don't know whether this is a business but certainly there's a lot of new development in the biowearable space which can which has the potential to actually improve quality of human life and uh, how people look at health so that was the first conversation obviously we didn't immediately start with it we sort of like started iterating on the product uh started to iterate on multiple versions initially the product was on a content delivery fama- format uh there was the early versions of the product essentially like how do we deliver something similar but via content but essentially realized that unless you give people access to data 
people essentially don't understand what's happening in their body and that is sort of like a gold mine of information because you just don't understand it from others perspective but also from your perspective that what is relevant and important for you yeah we can talk more about the aspects of glucose monitoring and recovery and hrv etc along the way but i think that was the initial hypothesis correct so i want to understand uh, because uh, when it comes to tracking glucose right what what is the importance of tracking glucose why glucose percent so okay um think of it like this the glucose uh, is sort of like an interesting biomarker to track because glucose is the fuel that your body uses while uh, just like the way you are thinking right now brain will use some sort of a fuel and also for physical movement it's just like a, any other fuel right in the body just like lactic acid and just like ketones and what makes glucose very interesting is that it is uh, the the dysregulation or the improper management of glucose in the body also leads to diseases in fact uh, almost 80% of all deaths globally or chronic disease led deaths globally happen because uh, of uh, diseases that actually uh, happened because of improper management of glucose and insulin now the, the way to understand this is that if 100 people are dying today globally uh actually almost 88% of these are chronic diseases people die because of a disease that was or uh, that that wasn't sort of like it wasn't accidental it was something that got built over years and years these are all lifestyle led 88% is essentially because of glucose dysregulation it is a huge problem um and uh, uh, it has been studied over the last 60 70 years that problem has only increased in proportion now tracking glucose first of all just gives you awareness of the problem so if there are uh, two of us uh, who face the same problem same lifestyle challenges and one of us is actually aware of uh, the the glucose biomarker of essentially that oh this this biomarker going wrong means trouble then i think potentially you will be more like if you are more aware you will be more prepared as well right and right now we see a lot of people who are just not aware like the world does not know what glucose biomarkers are like why do i need to track if i'm not diabetic why do i need to track glucose that's because it's basically saying that uh, i don't need to track my fuel uh, in my car till i, I run out of fuel doesn't make any sense right yeah uh, so that's what we are trying to bridge by the platform via awareness that we want to create on the platform um that's one aspect the second aspect is that glucose is really a way to understand insulin and the science behind this is that insulin is an anabolic hormone and we know that the increased levels of insulin in the body above a certain level lead uh, to downstream uh, disorders in the body the glucose disorders that i spoke about were actually uh, masquerading as insulin disorders and now over years of research we know that all forms of diseases like various forms of cancers diabetes of course um hypertension uh chronic weight gain etc all of these happen because of uh, something called insulin resistance um which basically happens because of increased levels of insulin leading to body become insulin uh, insulin resistant over time so that's what the significance of uh, glucose and uh, insulin is wow interesting now you mentioned a specific figure right 88 percentage is that the figure of the entire world that we have or is it uh, the data from india where are we looking at this is everywhere chronic diseases leading to deaths uh, the numbers are pretty much close to 88% obviously it it varies like certain geographies in the world have slightly higher infectious disease rate in fact i was surprised i was speaking to somebody in the uh, 
in the uh, uh, the north african region where the lot of perception and this is, by the way this is all built over time by media and everything else that oh the, the infectious diseases in the north african region and africa region would be much higher right uh, given this is how we see the region but i think to my surprise uh, even in the north african regions the, the chronic disease numbers are actually higher compared to infectious diseases compared to other parts of the world and it, in fact it was it was like significantly lower than uh, than uh, some of these countries had significantly lower chronic disease incidence compared to even india and uh, or india or any other uh, you can say uh, region where both chronic and infectious diseases are on the rise essentially right so uh, it's it's insane how much underplaying happens for chronic diseases like people don't understand that the mega epidemic pandemic in the play today is actually chronic diseases and apart from everything else that's happening in the world right now correct and what i like about your specific device because when i tested it i was actually able to see that you know when i'm eating something how it is spiking my glucose uh, when i'm sleeping what's happening and that's i think as you mentioned right awareness is the first step once you actually become yeah. aware is when now you can you know try to get yourself in perspective around what you need to be doing to ensure that you don't get into the phase wherein now you realize you're getting into that chronic disease or, or getting those chronic diseases but one of the things i also have because and this is a perception that i've seen especially in india right when we say glucose tracking people think that you know what maybe people with diabetes need it uh, but not necessarily the the young folks but i think it is pretty much important for the young folks also to understand because eventually this will build over the over the years i want to talk about that new ring that has been launched has it already been launched yet we have announced the ring in pre order we are very very close to shipping it so i think the announcement on pre orders went live a couple of months back okay nice so we are excited to see that because i did have a look at that ring and it looks really good so yeah i'm i'm sure that it it'll have a good uh, impact as well now the presence of ultra human is that primarily in india or do you also have presence in other countries like us abu dhabi as you mentioned dubai and so on so india and uae are the regions where we are present right now in both the regions there is a massive a uh, metabolic disorder we call it the metabolic disorder because it's the disease of glucose metabolism uh, the prevalence of these diseases is actually on the rise while we the the number of the, the type of cars we drive are getting more advanced every day uh, the infrastructure overall is getting better we are we have access to better uh, smartphones uh, on the disease management side and on chronic diseases side actually the situation in the world has actually gone gotten worse so that's the that's what we're trying to actually solve for Hmm, interesting because i've personally seen i've interacted with a lot of folks let's say in the us and uk and i've 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 heard that they are pretty much used uh, of using devices like these right athletes as well as normal people who are hitting the gym and going on but in india i think this is a, a very good phase and i've seen how how people are being benefited by the kind of product that you bought in there's one other thing that i want to ask you specifically around your business right when it comes to starting ultra human what were the challenges you faced when you started this is because people that are starting a business i want them to understand how it is when they start a business and what are the issues that you faced that even they could overcome i think the uh, the challenges that exist in the early days of the business uh, and we're still in the early days uh, to be honest um, are pretty much around like how do you dream of being a company that can manufacture their own hardware starting from india and this is a feedback that a lot of folks that we speak to have given that oh uh, you are an indian founder so what do you know about hardware like all you should do is software 
right? So there is this perception. And so the thing is that we, we have our own cognitive biases, right? And this is one of the biases that if a region has been known for a specific thing, and obviously, like if a lot of founders in India would have built software companies, you would logically be primed towards understanding that the software play will be a safer bet. But a lot of people actually don't uh, understand that we could also build hardware and building our own hardware was crucial to us because of our need to actually understand the biomarkers the right way and the, in the right way. Like essentially, I mean that the access to data, which is uh, at the right frequency and the right volume, essentially, right? So for example, if a variable just gives you two points in a day of data, like the heart rate variability data, for example, for two points and, and we need a continuous trend, we cannot rely on those two points. It's just like saying that continuous glucose monitors versus uh, the finger prick devices, you would have seen some of those, right? You take yes. a blood sample. Mm. So the amount of insights that you can generate are not even 1000x, it's 10,000x or more because it's not just about more points, but also the type of insights that you can drive, derive out of continuous curve. So that's what one is the ability to think hardware. And obviously the ecosystem is not built around hardware thinking. Like we don't have companies around that have cracked or built hardware supply chain, etc. The other challenge essentially is, uh, uh, I would I would say that when you're thinking about a new problem statement in, an, in a novel way, right? So you have this classic conundrum or classic challenge that you want to create something unique, but then when you create something unique enough, a lot of people don't believe in you because uh, they think that, oh, this is very unique. So this might die out very, very soon. You always have to balance because people go by sometimes familiarity, sometimes by uniqueness. And you can't be too unique because if you're too unique, then obviously you will, you will not be appealing to a lot of people. But if you are too, too mass and too general and you don't have your own uniqueness, then there is no differentiator or there is no sick, like delta impact that you're creating. So those are the, I would say that two uh, classic challenges apart from everything else. Like obviously the, when I did my last startup versus the startup, raising money is a totally different challenge. Hiring people is a totally different challenge here. Hiring means that uh, you're not just interested in the business, but also interested in the domain, uh, the science of biohacking and biowearable, et cetera. So it's a totally different challenge because um, today, um, a large part of the uh, world today does not do health tracking. So there are only a few limited set of folks who actually do health tracking. So hiring becomes a challenge, hence, uh, to find the right people and all of that. Interesting. Now, one thing you mentioned, which I find uh, pretty interesting, as you mentioned that people know India more on the lines of creating software, right? But yeah, I think it is also important for us to understand that end of the day, the even software will sit on a hardware. So as important as software is, we also need to even focus on hardware and even encourage uh, companies that are also getting into that realm because end of the day, the software eventually will go and sit on the hardware. Now, I want to ask you this in with regards to the data that is being collected on people, right? Using a device. What are some things about a human body that general audience does not know that you are able to get because of your device? So let me talk about for an individual, what are we going to get? So I'll paint the difference between just blind data and you can say uh, depth of data. So what it means is if I have 100 million people, and if I generate, you can say, 10 data points of, uh, you can say, uh, steps per individual, right? That is a very large database, again, 100 million people and uh, multiplied by 10. 
like just understand how did people take those 10 steps in their life right it's still a billion points essentially right but the problem is that with those 10 steps data or 10 movement points data you can't really figure out anything like what is their lifestyle what we believe in is essentially depth of data so what we do is essentially we generate somewhere close to around 20 mb of data per user per day and that translates into i don't know how many points that it translates to but i don't know on platform level we have somewhere close to 110 million glucose points today and um, uh, if you look at it it's just from a very limited set of users today right so the density of data per individual is very high why because the data that we collect we collect every minute of your life right so we can correlate between what type of sleep pattern led to what type of physical activity response to what type of food response uh, and how did it affect your stress? All these factors can be correlated because we collect data at a certain frequency. And this is fundamentally powerful because if you compare it to traditional fitness trackers that would kind of collect data whenever you are working out, like how, how many times a week would you work out? Like, let's say, just give an example. I do four, average four, four days. Four four hours in a week, right? And like how many hours a week do you actually eat? Wow, <laughs> a lot, right? I think I would say at least two hours a day. So that's like uh, 14 hours. And how many uh, like hours a week do you sleep? Wow, I sleep nine hours a day. So nine fives are 45, 45 hours. Right, so if you just compare these ratios, like the contextual data that we have around, and oh, this is the sleep glucose response um, and this is the food glucose response versus basically just having workout data. Um, what you can decode about the body is much, much, much more. And I think in specifics, and I think a lot of companies can just say that, oh, we have a lot of data and we can do a lot of, you can say smart processing of your data and come up with insights. But let me tell you something very, very specific. So for example, we are able to figure out uh, people and their, uh, in some ways, glucose tolerances or their sort of like glucose uh, uh, sensitivity to some extent or insulin sensitivity to be honest to some extent in response to their sleep. So we know that X amount of sleep deficit leads to Y amount of reduction in their glucose response. Or um, if I and you have, or for example, you have a glass of Coke right now and um, you have been well slept. So it's, it's let's say your glucose response is uh, there is some type of response and versus if you are underslept, there'll be a certain type of response. Now the delta between these two responses based on how you slept will tell us that how sensitive to you are to sleep deficiency, right? And in long range, I can say that the biggest problem of your health is not food, is not activity, but certain portions of your sleep. And I can form those correlations and I can create this impact chart for you because I can say that like, dude, if you are focusing on workouts, that's still well and good, but I think focusing on the sleep bit and specific aspect of your sleep is actually very, very important for you because that's what would lead to better results over a long-term period. And just like money, health also compounds. So even if you don't sometimes see result every day, you will see results via small changes because uh, uh, everything adds up. Like lack of sleep, those 20 minutes every day will add up to reducing your exercise performance will lead to adding more uh, body fat will lead to adding more uh, hormonal imbalance in the body will lead to adding more stress to your life. So these are all related. Physiology is related. So that's why this data is important. Interesting. I mean, I, I really like the fact as to how you connected the different dots because oftentimes people think if you just work out one hour a day, you know, you're being healthy. But yeah, what about the other areas of your life? What about the food that you intake? What about sleep? And I take my sleep very, you know, very, very strictly. I, I ensure that I'm sleeping nine hours a day because of the people I've interacted with and I know the importance of sleep. Now, one thing that I really want to talk about uh, with regards to ultra human also is the way that I've seen you guys 
uh, spread the word, right? I mean, the marketing strategy has been really good wherein I've seen. Uh, I know a couple of folks when I said them that, you know, I'm in words with uh, the co-founder of uh, Ultra Human, they were pretty excited. They're like, oh, I know that device uh, stuff, right? I said, yeah, yeah, that's the one. So I want to understand what has been your market strategy that strategy that you think has really worked for you and what can other startups also incorporate so that it can help them as well? I think the biggest one is that uh, if your product drives curiosity for people who are creating content for you and it really affects and improves their life, they will end up creating good quality of content for you, right? The difference is that I can pay somebody money and say that, hey, promote my product. They will promote the product versus if they really believe in it and they see impact in, them, in their own life. Now, the advantage that we have is that... Um, even if you don't get the insights from the platform and insights are sort of like obviously the, the core of everything um, from a glucose perspective, but just by tracking glucose, a lot of people realize that they were missing out so much in terms of their health. Mm. So suddenly the value that we add is like very, very high, even for these, uh, the, uh, you can say people who create stories and I'm not saying just influencers, but you buy products on the basis of not just famous people, but people around you. Right. So, for example, I can um, uh, I can say that uh, the last phone I bought, I bought because of a friend who basically told me that uh, and this guy was not an influencer. And basically the guy said that, oh, I'm going to the Apple store to buy this phone. Uh, and um, this is better than the previous version because of X, Y, Z reasons. And I was like, OK, this is a good trigger. I, I didn't see an ad and buy right. I, I went by this person who has an Instagram profile of. 140, 50 people following him. Uh, but this advice from a friend was much more appreciated because I don't expect paid responses or uh, you can say uh, non-genuine non response from this guy. And that's why I feel that uh, if, a, if a user or an influencer both are able to see impact in their own life by the product, then they will be able to create more effective stories. That's one. The other, I think, unlock for us is people who are building the product right today people who are building the company, right? Or the, are they using the product or not? And I recollect a survey that was done a few years back. I have a good founder friend who actually told me that there was a, a survey around like how many founders actually actually wear the, use their own product. And the numbers were shockingly low. Like because people build product for somebody else, but then they, they want to have special access, right? Um, and it makes a huge difference. When I say founders, I'm not saying just uh, like I'm talking about myself, but everybody who's actually working on the product, if they're not using their own product, they don't have context, no matter how much theory you read about um, the product or anything else. So I think that's a, that's an important factor and compounds again, right? Because every time you speak to somebody to promote the product, so we have 70 people in the company, right? I think often we miss out on the power of 70 people talking about the power of the platform. What we know from the power law essentially and the network effect of uh, like word of mouth is that the 70 people can actually reach out to 700,000 people just by their own network or more, a million people. And that's actually, million people is not a small set. True. Now, one of the things I, I want to ask you also with, with regards to uh, your journey as an entrepreneur is, have you always been an entrepreneur or were there areas or times that decided that you want to become an entrepreneur? You, tell, you, you mentioned at the beginning that you sold a company to Zomato. Uh, but how was your start of the career? I started my journey in 2015, uh, being an entrepreneur, when I started my first company. And the emotion with which I started my company was that uh, 
I need more independence and creative freedom to do what I want, essentially. And independence and creative freedom means basically that if I want to take a certain risk, I should not be bound by the constraints of a company. And by risk, I also meant that the ability to make money. Uh, if I'm bound by the constraints of the company, then I can't make money at the pace of which I want to make. And I think it's a, I think it's an underrated aspect of why people start up the company, startup companies, right? You want to make money and become more independent over time. And over time, it has evolved to be both making money as well as achieving what you want to achieve at the same time. And both have to go hand in hand. Like if I just achieve uh, outcomes, but don't make any money, that's, that's not a great outcome because then I can't take it to the next level. So yes, I've spent most of my life uh, by in terms of creating founding companies. And before that, uh, writing code for a few years, uh, writing code and designing products for a few years. All right. The next question I have, uh, Mohit, for you is, with regards to ultra-human, where do you want to take ultra-human? Where, where do you see, uh, what, what would be your goal when it comes to ultra-human? You can say, you know what, I've done what I wanted to do with ultra-human. I think it'll be uh, getting almost a billion people access to tracking their own health. I think that'll be a good goal. Uh, because when people track their own health, just start tracking their own health in any way possible, right? And I'm saying, uh, when, when I say health tracking in a, in a proactive, preventive way, that itself we are, will be a massive revolution in the healthcare space because uh, most of the data that we have in healthcare is actually once the problem has occurred, right? Mm. Once somebody is already sick. So our diagnostics, our protocols, our uh, systems are built in terms of uh, people who are sick. So the mental framework of the medical industry, the healthcare industry is built on, oh, somebody's sick, this is the answer. Yeah. Uh, versus this is how you stay healthy. That data isn't there. So where would the world land if they don't have data for healthy people? Hmm. Obviously, it will be confused, right? Like, you don't really understand who is healthy and who is devoid of diseases. So you'll always understand data about sick people. So uh, that's why what's happening. I mean, you can't really create answers to some or you can't really have answers to some of the healthcare problems as well today. So what we want is that some form of health tracking should be available for billions of people. Uh, starting with 1 billion people. And uh, we feel that the given that the metabolic disorder problem is such a massive one and everybody can benefit from tracking glucose, I think getting 1 billion people to track the glucose biomarker is a, you can say, a large goal that we would love to chase uh, given the fact that it could create, like imagine massive storms of how different lifestyles, different cultures, different social structures, different food types, different medications affect people and their health. What we know about health today is, the, is on the basis of disease data, which is very, very archaic. True, true. And I also understand the fact that, uh, imagine we just spoke about the data, 88%, which means out of 7 billion people, there are almost close to 6 billion or 5.8 billion people that, are, that may result in some sort of disease or maybe unhealthy and, and, and that kind of scenario, right? So there is definitely a potential room for us to become more aware of what needs to be done. One thing I, I want to ask you, uh, in person, you mentioned at the beginning that you were always interested in fitness as well. Has that yeah. always been your passion and that's the reason why you're here? Like, how did that passion generate? Where did you find that out? I think it started in 2010 when I started uh, getting into cycling. So I uh, used to be in, uh, like, you can say semi-professional cycling um, and uh, sort of like, if you've followed the cycling scene, so there is a concept of breves. So I used to love doing breves. Breves are essentially long form cycling 
you can say races uh, that span across 100 200 300 600 800 and 1000 kilometers and um, there's a title in cycling called super rondineering super rondineer is a person who actually uh, is a endurance um, long long distance cyclist so i my first uh, test with fitness was actually through sports which is through cycling uh, and then i got into brazilian jiu jitsu which helped uh, fuel the passion a little bit more because brazilian jiu jitsu is also unique in itself it's like a martial art but then it's very yeah. modern it's very refreshing um it has aspects of philosophy that are very unique to itself all of that what triggered you to get into that was there any specific event that you decided no i want to do cycling i want to get fit and learn uh, brazilian jiu jitsu or what was the reason what was that trigger i think uh, the major reason was people i met along the way so uh, the smartest people i met and the most interesting people i met were doing these two things that's what i found interesting like it wasn't from the trigger of fitness or health but the fact that so the smartest people i met uh, in 2010 2011 were people who were into long term cycling i remember meeting uh, a neurosurgeon uh, who was essentially not so he was one of the uh, you can say the most legendary neurosurgeons in the world at that point in time and very very respected and was deep into neuroscience research and was my cycling partner and uh, that's how i got motivated to pursue it further and this person was telling me that uh, in one of the cycling races is that the so we used to spend 18 to 25 hours on a bike in one stretch sometimes basically in some of these racing formats right and uh, uh, this person was saying that it's to me it's almost like surgery uh, sometimes because it and i've become a neurosurgeon over time because of my cycling journey because you need to be focused for 20 hours and nothing else requires you to be focused for 20 hours essentially in one go yeah. so that was one and then of course along the way Uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was interesting because uh, it's a martial art that is built on the principles of self defense and uh, prime principle is that if a if a strong person and a weak person get into a fight and nobody wins then who wins mm-hmm. and the answer obviously is that the weak person wins because essentially they defended from the strong person from winning essentially right um so that was the other that that felt much more uh, high leverage and much more you can say scientific compared to anything else was out there interesting the reason i ask you that question more is because obviously for someone to even go ahead and create something like this for for you the initial start was the people that you surrounded yourself with and then that led to other pursuits and that led to where you are today right and the importance of also people identifying the kind of environment we are in also has a major impact around what we could be in a couple of years uh, down the line Now I know we are coming to the end of the interview but there are two questions I want to ask Mohit the first one being if you had to recommend let's say two books to my audience to read uh, which could help them personally as well as professionally what those two books would be that you love so I keep recommending the same books so I'll do the same the first one is a book called uh, microbe hunters uh, it's a book on scientific curiosity so it talks about how across different generations and uh, different eras how scientists came across uh, revolutionary discoveries just by simple observation right and simple curiosity so what it means is that you often think that oh all the scientific discoveries made in the lab right where you have precision equipments and um, and, and instruments but that is not true a lot of breakthroughs have actually happened just by observation mm-hmm. this talks about the power of observation the second one is not really a book it's sort of like a, a guide that i keep handy it's it's a 
it's a guide called uh, the zen of martial arts i know the the title is self explanatory but then uh, the book has uh, gives you access to some principles uh, around uh, self control and around uh, basically the ability to think about the world using martial arts principles but in regular daily life like essentially uh, it will tell like for example it talks about uh, how do you handle something as trivial as like excitement about something that you don't know about right so how does a martialist deal with this uh, psych- psychologically so all of that that's the second aspect nice and one last question um, what would your advice be to all my listeners around how they can develop the growth mindset right you know the the, the idea behind the growth mindset learning growing improving yourself so what would your advice be so growth to me is nothing but self awareness because once you know who you are uh, growth starts there essentially you can you can understand this from the way that a lot of people actually grow when they have a massive incident or accident in their lives right so why does that happen this crisis of massive incident and accident uh, makes you understand yourself in a more honest neutral and uh, in a in a real way and till then you are living with your own definition of oh i am this i am that i am your reflections of your ego etc right but when there is a crisis and when something bad happens and if you don't waste the crisis then you realize that uh, oh this is who i am and now i can only improve because now i know who i am and what i lack to me uh, growth is self awareness and the more you invest in self awareness uh, the more you will grow okay perfect so thank you so much mohit for taking your time out and uh, joining us on the growth mindset podcast it was a pleasure to have you thank you ishad this brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview if you have any questions or want to talk to me personally you can find me at www.silavatirshad.com see you soon